0: Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Our Father in heaven, as we consider the Holy Bible, particularly the prophecies of Daniel, I ask that you would give us wisdom and teach us to understand. And I ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Turneth me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 7. We're going to be speaking today about certain parts of Daniel 11, But our real topic is the mark of the beast. And Daniel 11 becomes a real aid to understanding the mark of the beast. Daniel chapter 7. And looking at verse 7. Daniel 7 verse 7. Do you see there that the beast stamps the residue with with its feet? Now look down to verse 19. Do you see in verse 19 that it made war with the with the saints and prevailed against them? Now look, excuse me, verse 19 is also remnant with its feet. Verse 21 is made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Look at verse 25, where he speaks with great words against the Most High and wears out the saints of the Most High. And at the end of the verse, and they were given into his hand. If I could just establish the first point I'm making today, it's that the beast is against the saints. Is that well established by the verses we just looked at? Four times in Daniel 7, stamps the residue, makes war with the saints, stamps the residue, speaks great words against the Most High, and wears out the saints they are given into his hand. Now look at verse 26. The second point I want to establish is that the judgment... In Daniel chapter 7, fixes or alleviates the saints. That is, fixes the situation of the saints. It alleviates them from the oppression of the beast. The beast is punished for its trouble it has given to the saints. Verse 26. But the judgment shall sit and shall take away his dominion. What what has he been doing with his dominion up to this point in the chapter? He's been against the saints. He has stamped on them. He's worn them out. He's gone against them. The judgment sits and takes away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the... What does it say? Of the saints of the Most High whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. In other words, this is the end of the several thousand year saga over world dominion. Who ends up having the dominion in the end? The saints. What does the beast do before that? The beast oppresses the saints. If I could turn this into a simple progression, it's the beast oppresses the The beast oppresses the saints. The judgment sits and takes away the beast's authority. And then the kingdom is given to the saints. And what happens to the beast? The beast is burned with fire. Turn to chapter 8. Chapter 8 and verse 10. You'll see there the little horn. It says, The little horn waxed great, even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host... And of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Who are these stars? Who are these hosts? The Catholic Church did not cast down the actual angels, it cast down God's people. We are the host of heaven, we are the saints of the Most High. Look down at verse 13. What is the question being asked? How long will the Roman power be permitted to oppress, what does it say? The hosts. And what does it say? Trample the truth or, tra- I didn't write down the whole verse here. Yes, the practice yeah, practice of prosper. Trample down the truth and overcome the host. The question in Daniel 8.13 is how long is the beast going to be allowed to trouble God's host? And the answer is unto 2300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Is there a connection between the sanctuary being cleansed and the judgment of Daniel 7? In fact, they're the same event. So, what we have in Daniel 7 and Daniel 8 is the same progression. The beast oppresses the saints for a certain amount of time, and then what happens? The judgment sits. In Daniel 7, the judgment takes away the beast's authority and burns the beast. And then the kingdom is given to the saints. In Daniel 8, it doesn't specify, but still, it's very clear that the judgment is the end of the beast's oppression. That is, how long will the beast oppress? And the answer is, so long, and then the sanctuary will be cleansed. The judgment is the solution to the oppression of the beast. Look down at verse 24. Daniel 8, verse 24. It says, his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice. And who does he destroy? The mighty and the holy people. This is the interpretation of what we read in verse 10. That's how we know that the host in verse 10 aren't referring to the host in heaven. It's referring to God's people on earth. He destroys the mighty and the holy people. And connected with that, verse 26, it says the vision of the evening and morning is true. Daniel 8 ends by referring to the vision of the 2300 days as being the solution that will solve the persecution of the saints. And that it is true and we can look forward to it despite that problem. Turn to chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11 expands on this idea that's in Daniel 7 and Daniel 8. Daniel chapter 11, and we're looking at verse 33. Daniel 11 verse 33 says, And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. Let's start there for a beginning. Daniel 11, giving more information than Daniel 7 or Daniel 8... Specifies which holy people are the object of the wrath of the beast. Which holy people? The ones that... And the ones that understand, yes. The ones that understand are the object of the wrath of the beast. They instruct many, and it says, Yet they shall fall by the sword, and by flame, and by captivity, and by spoil many days. Now we know from chapter 12 that we haven't gotten to yet and from Revelation how many days do they suffer like that? 1260 days God's people are the special object of the beast's wrath. But which people in particular? Those that understand. Now when they shall fall, they shall be hoping with a little help, but many shall cleave to them with flatteries, and some of them of understanding shall fall. To try them and to purge and to make them white, even to the time of the end, for it because it is yet for a time appointed, if I could just summarize well, I need to finish Daniel 11, 12 in this respect. so how does the persecution of the saints end in this vision of a Daniel 11, 12? It's with the time of trouble. You just heard the hermeneutics teacher refer to it. What does Michael do in Daniel twelve? He stands for the people. They're spared during the seven last plagues and the kingdom is given to them. Exactly. In other words, what Daniel 7 and 8 and 11 12 have in common is this pattern. Who is the beast against? God's people. Which ones in particular? Those that understand. What does he do? He persecutes them. What is God's way of resolving this unfairness? It's the judgment. It is the cleansing of the sanctuary, which culminates with, well, that's where the sentence is given. And where is the sentence executed? In the time of trouble. It's the punishment of their persecutors, which is very clear when you read about it in Revelation 16. It's just obvious the time of trouble is a punishment for those who persecuted God's people. Do we need to turn there? Turn in your Bibles to Revelation 14. I'm just going to tell you some things you'd find in chapter 12 and 13 you should think of Revelation 12 through 14 as a unit. That is, Revelation 12 through 14 is the same period of history described in Daniel 7 and Daniel 8 and Daniel 11-12. In Daniel 12 through 14, do you have the beast persecuting the saints? Why that's the theme of Daniel 12 and Daniel, excuse me, Revelation 12 and Revelation 13. If I said Daniel 12 to 14, I hope you understand I wasn't referring to the Apocrypha. It's Revelation 12 through 14. In Revelation 12, the saints are persecuted, and the saints are persecuted, and they get a little help. But their issue isn't resolved in chapter 13. Excuse me, in chapter 12. Do you remember that? How does chapter 12 end? And it ends with the dragon making war. war. The issue isn't resolved in chapter 12. In chapter 13, the saints also are assigned to death. They can't buy or sell. But the issue is not resolved in chapter 13. Where is the resolution? It's in chapter 14, verse 7, where the everlasting gospel says, The hour of his judgment is come. What I'm trying to establish for you is that the announcement of the judgment is the resolution of the persecution of the saints in chapter 12 and chapter 13 of the saints in Daniel 7 and Daniel 8. In summary, what I'm saying is that it's consistent. These four lines of prophecy all point to the judgment that both the investigative part and the execution of it, the judgment is the God's way of resolving the persecution of the saints. Also, when you understand this, you'll understand the connection between the first angel's message and the second angel's message and the third angel's message. Let me say it to you simply. The first angel's message announces the judgment. The second angel's message announces the verdict. And the third angel's message announces the sentence. Does that make sense to you what I just said? So the first angel's message says the hour of his judgment is come. The second one says that Babylon is fallen, and here's what she's done. And the third one says that she is going to be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the Lamb and is going to have no rest day nor night. What are the three angels' messages? They are the three phases of the judgment. Or you could say the announcement of the judgment... The verdict of the judgment and the sentence of the judgment. So where are the saints in the three of those messages? They're in the third, where it says, "Here is the patience of the saints." In other words, the saints are those who have endured the persecution, and here's what they were looking forward to. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. What is the execution of the beast? It is the resolve or the resolution of problems for God's people. I guess I've said that lots of times now. I'm ready to go on. Turn back in your Bible to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, we're going to ask the question, Who are these saints? Who are these saints? Daniel chapter 7. And looking at verse 28. Speaking of when the kingdom is established, what does it say? That all nations will. How does it characterize those? 728. 728, near the end of the verse. I kept the matter in mind. Is that what it says in the end of 728? I'll tell you what I'm looking for is the passage in Daniel seven that says that all kingdoms shall serve and obey him. 27. twenty-seven. All right. So there's a typo. Daniel seven verse twenty-seven, all kingdoms shall serve and obey him. In Daniel eight, we noticed that they were called the mighty and the holy people. Look at and in chapter eleven, we noticed what were they? How were they referred to in chapter eleven? They were those that understand among the people, those that are teaching among the people. In Daniel 12, they they're the ones who are found written in the book. How are they characterized in Revelation 12? They that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. How about in Revelation 14? Those that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. If I could just put these thoughts together, because they're all the same idea, who are these saints? These saints are faithful commandment keepers. That's who they are. Who, who are these people who are oppressed by the beast? They're faithful commandment keepers. Now we can just stop and ask, does history bear that out? Have commandment keepers been the ones that have been persecuted by the beast? Well, the answer is certainly yes. It's the Sabbatarian bodies all through the Middle Ages that were systematically destroyed. But we could get it from the Bible if we didn't have history. Who has the beast been after? Faithful commandment keepers. And who is the beast after in the end of time? Faithful commandment keepers. And what is the resolution of this problem? It's the judgment ongoing in our days with a verdict against the beast and the the sentence is executed during the seven last plagues. Turn from your Bibles to Daniel 9 4. We're switching topics only slightly to come back to this one. Daniel 9 4. Daniel is praying to God. And how does he describe God? The one who keeps, what does it say? The covenant and mercy to them that love Him and to them that keep His commandments. Here in Daniel's prayer, the covenant is connected with those who love Him and keep His commandments. God keeps covenant with them. Look down at verse 27. Here it describes the work of the Messiah. What does He do during the last of the 70 weeks? He confirms the covenant with many. Who does he keep the covenant with? Those who love him and keep his commandments. And during his week on earth, his time on earth, what's he doing in his ministry? He's confirming the covenant. He's leading people to faithfully be faithful keepers of the commandments and to love God. Now turn to chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 22, is speaking about the middle of that week It speaks about the crucifixion of Jesus, and how does it style him? What is the name of Jesus in Daniel 11? He's the prince of the covenant. What was his work in that week? It was confirming the covenant. Who does God keep the covenant with? Those that love God and keep his commandments. To this point, we're talking about God and about Jesus. Now let's go further in Daniel 11 and, be, and introduce the beast. Look down at verse 28. There the Roman power is has a heart. Do you see that? A heart against what? A heart against the holy covenant. And then when you look in verse 30, he becomes indignant against what? What was it say in verse 30? Against the Holy Covenant. And then there's a conspiracy in verse 32. With them that forsake the... Maybe that's in verse 30 also. With them that forsake the Holy Covenant. covenant. And then verse 32. What does he do wickedly against? Now what we proved up to this point before we started this section is what is the beast against? He's against God's people, particularly he's against those that understand, and, and who are they? Commandment keepers. Now we find out, but what is he against more generally, not against people, but against He's against the Holy Covenant. Who's the Holy Covenant kept with? What's the work of Jesus? It's to confirm the covenant. In fact, he's called the Prince of the Covenant when it's describing his crucifixion. And if I could say this whole thought as simply as it came clear to me today, it's that in Daniel 11, Daniel 9 and Daniel 11, the war is over the covenant. The beast is against the covenant that Jesus has worked to establish, and the center of this covenant is the Ten Commandments. Does Daniel 11 explain why the beast is after the people? It's because the beast's heart is against the covenant. What I'd like for you to see is the connection in Daniel 7.25 and in Daniel 8.13 between in Daniel 7 the changing the law and oppressing the people and in Daniel 8 between casting down truth and casting down the people. And in Daniel 11, casting down the people that know the truth. What do the people and the truth have in common? It's the covenant. What is the beast against? The beast is against the covenant of God. I think I've established that thought simply enough. Turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 18 and verse 4 to 5. Revelation 18, we're going to read verse 4 to 5. What I've established so far, or suggested you should study, is that the seven last plagues are what phase of the judgment? The execution of the verdict. But not the verdict on individuals, really, but the verdict on the beast. But do individuals suffer in the verdict on the beast? No, individuals do. And this passage explains which individuals suffer the verdict that is given to the beast. Verse 4 and verse 5. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her. Who's her? Yeah, it's this woman on the beast. It's Babylon. Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her, sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Did you ever notice before that her sins have reached unto heaven? Is that relevant to what we read about in Daniel 7 and Daniel 8? In Daniel 7, her sins are oppressing God's people, and where is it resolved? A judgment meets in Heaven. So in Revelation 14, the judgment sits, and what happens in the second angel's message? There's a verdict. But what happens in the third angel's message? There is an yeah, there is an execution. The sentence is given. And so what is this call in Revelation eighteen? It's a call to people to separate from this body that's about to receive the execution of its sentence. Do you see it's very merciful? to give people a chance to separate after the verdict has already been given. Very kind of God to call people to separate from this body when the judgment has already sat, already noticed her sins, and already promised to reward her. Is it true that in the plagues that she suffers for the persecution in the Middle Ages? Just read the plagues. It's as clear as day. It says so. And in fact, when those who die in the Middle Ages ask for justice... What are they told? Wait a little longer until your brethren shall be persecuted as you are. So the implication is what's going to happen in the seven last plagues? Justice is going to be meted out for the persecution that happened during the Middle Ages. Is that clear enough to you? View these points and then go on and build upon them. What is the theme of Daniel and of Revelation? Here is one of the themes that takes up more room than hardly or almost any other. It's the theme of the beast against Christ. What is the work of Christ? He's confirming the covenant. He is the prince of the covenant. He's keeping the covenant with those who love God and keep the commandments. What is the work of the beast? The beast is against the people. Which people? Those that understand. Which people? Those that keep the commandments. These would be the ones who were partaking of the covenant. The beast is after those people. What does God do about that? In Daniel 7, he sets up the judgment. In Daniel 8, he cleanses the sanctuary. In Daniel 11, he bring, Daniel 11, 12, he brings the time of trouble. In Revelation 14, he announces the judgment and then proceeds to the execution of it, which is the same thing that we found in the book of Daniel. So what is this covenant? This covenant that is the theme of Daniel and Revelation and the war going on? Re- Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8. I think you know it. Hebrews chapter 8. Is it verse 10? I don't have the reference here. I suppose I could look it up because Mr. Little loaned me his Bible. Yeah. Would you read that for us, Mr. Moriah? Days, say the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God they shall be to me a people. So the new covenant, which is the everlasting covenant how can I show us the everlasting covenant? Just for a minute turn to chapter 12 chapter 12 and let's see if I can find the passage that mentions the covenant in chapter 12. Y'all can help me find it. Give me just a moment. Oh, it's verse 24. It says, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Now look down to chapter 13 and to verse. It's going to mention the everlasting covenant. Verse 20. Now the God of. Peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. But when he looked in chapter twelve, this was also the same blood is called the blood of the New Covenant. So the New Covenant has another name in the Bible, that is the Everlasting Covenant. And in fact you'll find the Everlasting Covenant mentioned all through the Old Testament. If I could establish this fact. The everlasting covenant is the same as the new covenant. It's the writing of the law in the heart and the mind. Now, what is it that the papacy is against? The papacy is against the covenant. The papacy's heart is against the covenant. The papacy is having intelligence with them that forsake the covenant. And maybe we didn't notice it like we should have in Daniel 11, Let's turn your Bible to Daniel 11 because I skipped an important point there I want you to notice. Daniel chapter 11 and probably it's verse 35. It's verse 32. Daniel 11 verse 32 and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by what's it say flatteries. flatteries so is the beast the only religious power that's doing against the covenant there are other bodies that are doing against the covenant and what is the relation between the beast and these other bodies Daniel 11:32 how does the body relate to, how does the beast relate to the other bodies Two things she does. She speaks well of them, or she flatters them, and she corrupts them. Her heart is against the covenant. The covenant is the law written in the mind. Now with this in mind, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and looking at verse 21. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Was that clear from Daniel 7? Who is it that's in the kingdom of heaven? It said, all nations shall obey him. Is that what Jesus says here? But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So in Daniel 7, how does God solve the problem? He has a judgment. The judgment takes away the kingdom from the beast. And who is the kingdom given to? The kingdom is given to the saints. But is it going to be given to just any old saints? It will be given to all true saints, but who are the true saints? Very apparently it's those who do the commandments of God. Verse 22, Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? So the people who are disappointed in when Christ comes back, are they professedly Christians? They are. And what you should know is that the papacy is condemned in Daniel 11, not only for fighting against the covenant, but for encouraging other people who are violating the covenant. She corrupts those other entities in Daniel 11. And how does she relate to them? By flatteries. She speaks well of them. In fact, it's what she's been doing for some time now. The Catholic Church has begun to say that there is saving faith in other religions. We are called, not we, but they are called separated brethren. If I could just summarize this as clearly as it is in my mind. Daniel 11 makes reference to the same as Revelation 13, as to those outside of the beast who are under the beast's influence. And these are characterized together as those who are against the covenant. Matthew 7 and verse 23 And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work, New King James says, lawlessness. Yeah, the lawlessness of of the last generation. I guess the new thought for me today, and I don't know if it's new for you, is the connection of the work of the covenant with the beast and of the three of those messages with the judgment and with the judgment with the beast. In fact, just to put this whole thing together. So I'm just going to try to put it all together for you again and then I'm done with my thoughts for today. And I want to finish it by developing the mark of the beast at a later time. What did we establish beyond a reasonable doubt? That the beast is against the people against God's holy people, against the mighty and holy people, against the holy people that keep the commandments of God, the holy people that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus, against those that love God, against those who are keeping the covenant, against those who have the faith of Jesus. The beast is against this class. How does God resolve this problem? You can answer it. With the judgment that sits. What does the judgment do? It takes away the kingdom of the beast and gives it to the saints. It burns up the beast. Where, the, where is the beast burned up in Revelation? And that's in the seven last plagues. The seven last plagues are the filling up of the wrath of God against the beast. But who else is burned with the beast in the seven last plagues? It's not only the beast, but it's those that have been corrupted by the beast. And how are those people characterized who are corrupted by the beast? In Revelation, they have the mark of the beast, but in um, Daniel 11, they do wickedly against the covenant. The mark of the beast is on those who do wickedly against the covenant the same class who have been flattered and corrupted by the beast authority what was the work of Jesus when he was on earth establishing a covenant who is the covenant kept with keep the commands of God that's because the covenant is written in the heart the law is written in the heart but if we don't keep what's written in our heart then we violate the covenant that's written there The covenant is written in the heart, in the mind, like in the forehead. And isn't it easy to know what the seal of God is in this context? It's the writing of the law in the heart in the new covenant by the Holy Spirit. As easy as easy can be. And what is the mark of the beast? It's the accepting of the changed law that violates the covenant that does wickedly against the covenant acknowledging the authority of the beast and therefore partaking of her sins and if you partake of her sins then you must also partake of her plagues. And this is what we exist for as a people to warn the world that it's time to separate from a beast that has already been condemned. Let's bow our heads for a closing prayer. Our Father in Heaven, Our Father in Heaven, I ask a gift that You would allow us to be among those that are found written in the book. That we could be delivered at the very same time that the beast is destroyed. That we could be among those mighty and holy people that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus and honor the testimonies that have been given by Him. And I ask for these gifts in the name of Jesus. Amen.